Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Hi, everyone. How are you? It's good to see you. Yes, coffee is a vital part of any gathering, especially in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, (laughs) super important. Well, I uh, am so glad uh, that you're here this morning. I hope that you had a great Easter week. We had a great time celebrating Easter together here this last week. It was wonderful to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus as a church family. And today, we're going to begin a brand new message series, as you can see, on the book of Colossians. And I love this book, or it's a letter, really. It's a short letter, uh, but I love this letter. So after celebrating Easter, I thought to myself— Uh, It would be helpful for us to really focus on the person of Jesus as we reflect and experience more of the new life that we have found through faith. And Colossians is a great book for doing just that. Uh, Colossians beautifully highlights and emphasizes some key aspects of who Jesus is that will help us grow as disciples. And in fact, this is actually pretty rare, but Paul, the author of Colossians, actually tells us his goal in writing this letter. Uh, He says this in the beginning of chapter 2. He says, my goal is that they, the the Christian community in in, uh, Colossae, that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's pretty amazing, right? I love that Paul is very clear in his his goal for this. So, if that is a good goal for Paul, it's a good goal for us as well, amen? That we could be, that we should be encouraged, that we should be united together in love, and that we would really take to heart these next several weeks Uh, an exploration of all the riches and wisdom and knowledge that we find in the person of Jesus. So we see in Colossians this kind of unquenchable passion for Christ that Paul has. We see also kind of some pastoral care for, for these communities. He's seeking communities that embody the message of the gospel and the heart of who Jesus is. That's exciting, and I want that to be us as well. Amen? And so this is kind of a fun journey that we get to go on, and I hope we pick up on that. Just a side note about what, what we're reading here about Paul's goal for Colossians. Just a side note. He, hearing this as his goal is incredible because Colossians is considered one of what's called the prison epistles. Uh, it's meaning that it was written alongside of Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians, likely when Paul was sitting in an Ephesian prison. So when you're hearing these words, he is in some very difficult circumstances. So we'll talk more about this as we go through the series, but when he talks about being encouraged, when he talks about being united in love, when he talks about the overarching, overwhelming supremacy of Jesus, he does so from a dank, dark room that probably smells real bad. It's not a good circumstance. So when we think about where he's writing this from, it actually gives a lot more significance to the words that we're hearing. And it might connect with you in a lot of maybe what you're facing. Maybe you're facing some difficult circumstances. 
And you hear these words written from Paul's difficult circumstances, and we can connect with it on a deep level that way. So that's just a fun side note for this morning. We'll get more into that as we, as we go on. So as I was reading through Colossians, I was struck by the fact that it is so easy to know Jesus in a general way, to think of his teaching as good and even helpful and transformative, but it's also easy to think of the same thing of other types of wisdom, worldly wisdom, and other ways of life. As if to say, Jesus, what you teach us is good and challenging, uh, but so is this, or so is that. You can put in any kind of example that you want. Things that, that maybe our world has to tell us about what's good and important and how to live. When we do this, we're in danger of mixing different ways of thinking together, and we see this happening in Colossians, in the book of Colossians. As disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we want to do more than just tip our cap to Jesus, right? We, as disciples, we want to focus not just generally on Jesus, but in, uh, in specific ways, learning to, uh, leaning into sh- our, the shaping and patterning of our lives and how we think after him and him alone, This is not just a challenge for us today, but we see the difficulty of this in the letter of Colossians as well. One author I read this week, he wrote this, and I love this. We must see Jesus, period. We must, we are made to behold him, his life, not in general, but in a thousand specific ways must become our vision. His pre-existence, pre-eminence, conception, birth, life, Words, deeds, miracles, relationships, signs, sermons, parables, prayers, suffering, his passion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his return, and the internal reign of Jesus must become our holy obsession. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? That's a long list of stuff, but he's pressing the point that we need to not know Jesus just in a general way but focus on the thousand specific ways that he calls us to follow him. What a way of discipleship. If we are to focus on Jesus in that way, something that should be the goal of of the life of each of us as disciples, it's necessary then for us to elevate Jesus to his rightful place in our thinking and in our lives. We must be awed by who he is. We must be in awe of what he is. We must be in awe of what he's done for us. And this letter, this tiny little letter, does that for us. In fact, Colossians starts off with a bang. In the very first chapter, almost at the beginning, Paul wants to be very clear in painting the picture for his readers. And he focuses their thinking immediately. He doesn't mince words and he doesn't beat around the bush. Listen, everybody, he writes. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything and in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross, period. Talk about elevating Jesus to where he should be, right? Try, talk about giving the Colossians uh, a, an anchor point, some perspective and a context with which to live out their faith. He's making it clear who Jesus is. This is powerful, it's beautiful, and it's reframing for his readers. Maybe you know this about this passage, but what's kind of really cool about this is that it's known as a Christological hymn. Christological meaning that it's completely focused on the person and nature of Jesus. And hymn meaning it's a song. Did you know that? That this is actually written as a poem. Paul's a poet. Who knew, right? There's like two verses, two stanzas to this. Uh, and it's, it's a poem that the early church, the early Christian community, uh, used as a song. Reciting it, singing it, uh, praying it as a way to remind themselves and ground themselves in the truth about Jesus. Pretty cool, huh? I wish we had the music. I wish we could hear how they used this before. So let's ask this question. Why is it important for Paul to start this way? Why did he need to remind his readers about the supremacy of Jesus in all things? And he started this way because a few things were happening in Colossae. And I actually think as we hear this, you will kind of recognize some of the cultural complexities that uh, they were facing. So Colossae was a small town bunched together with uh, two other really small cities, Laodicea, Laodicea and Herapolis. And all three of these could be considered suburbs of the much larger city that was near Ephesus. We have a letter to the Ephesians. So there's a lot happening in this kind of small geographical area. So the first thing that was happening in this area is that Jesus' importance, Jesus and his importance, were being minimized. Other teachers had come into town and they were teaching that Jesus was important but not essential. They were teaching that people should give Jesus a place in their life but not first place in their life. These teachers were saying that Jesus was prominent but didn't deserve to be preeminent. This is the first issue that was happening in this area. So the, the second thing that was happening was that Paul quotes later on that other philosophies were being taught alongside the message of the gospel. Now this had the effect of watering down the message of Jesus, uh, watering down the gospel, and mixing the message of Jesus with other ideas that seemed to be of eternal value. The biggest one of these is called Gnosticism, which we'll talk about uh, in the weeks to come. But essentially, Gnosticism was a competing theological perspective about how to gain salvation. And it didn't include Jesus' death and resurrection. <laughs> you had to gain salvation by gaining some special knowledge. So I love the way that Paul begins the Colossians because he sees what's happening to the Christian community in, this, in these areas and he's writing to clarify their focus. He's writing to focus them on their call and how to, to live with this renewed vision about Jesus in very specific ways. And I think this is why Colossians is such a great book uh, to talk about after Easter. We just celebrated his death and resurrection. So the question is, is Jesus, do we have this perception and perspective of who Jesus is? My prayer is that we hear this same call from Paul as we kick off this new series. 
Because at times, I think that we do the same things that, we're, that the Colossians were doing. Which is, we lose our focus on the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. We tip our cap, generally, to Jesus. And we don't lean into Jesus in all the specific ways that he's calling us and teaching us and leading us. I read an author this past week that uh, used the idea of a picture and a picture frame to help us understand what Paul is saying in the passage today. Picture, if you will, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> a, a picture, a picture frame. The frame around the picture is the context in which you live. So for the Colossians, their frame is Colossae. For us, it's Snohomish or wherever you happen to live. It's your context. Now, the cool thing about the idea of the frame is that it's not limited to geographical location. It can also be somewhat defined by your stage of life. Particular, we know stages stage of life, identity uh, issues, relationships grow and develop and change as we age. So uh, our frame is not just geographical, it's somewhat defined by our stage of life, or maybe our particular circumstances that we're facing now, which maybe we haven't faced before, or uh, we also, it can be defined by our network of relationships, or our family, etc. So our frame is our particular context and all that it makes up. So for example, you might be a young adult finishing college living in Snohomish. That's your frame, that's your context. Or you might be an early middle-aged man living in the 50s in the greater Asia area, sitting in an Ephesian prison, writing a letter to different churches. <laughs> I think you get it, right? The frame is what makes up your particular context. And the question that Paul is asking then is what's the picture within that frame? What is the central focus for your life, for this picture. What are you shaping your context around? So for the Christian community in Colossae, and for you and me, Paul is saying there should be one image, one picture in the middle of our frame. And the only image that we should have as central to our life is Jesus Christ, the visible image of the invisible God. That's what he's saying. But the image for the Colossians was getting foggy, like looking through dirty and smudged glass. Other people, other messages had come in and it began to distort the central image and focus on Jesus. So Paul gets out the glass cleaner. He gets out his rag and he starts to clear things up. Listen, everyone. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through God, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. And he goes on. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through God, through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Listen, everyone, Paul's saying, and he's saying that not just to the Colossians, but to you and me as well, here and now. There should be one image that is the central focus of your frame, Jesus Christ. He is the most brilliant image you can ever hope to see. He must be supreme. He must be essential. And he must be preeminent in your life. I was talking this last week with a couple of friends. And we were talking about, I've had the privilege of going to some of the most amazing uh, museums in Europe. And standing in front of some of these paintings where you're just in awe. 
And if you stand there long enough, you kind of, we, we had the privilege of studying a lot of, well, it was this, an art history trip through the college that I went to. So we spent a semester studying what we were going to see before we saw it. I'm so thankful we did that because I was able to stand in front of these paintings and I had some knowledge of their process, what was happening, their history. But even knowing all of that, you can stand in front of this image and just layer upon layer. It's just mind-blowing. It's just incredible. And essentially, Paul is saying that here about Jesus. If you think, you, like on the surface, Jesus is incredible. But as you start to think about who he is, and you see layer upon layer upon layer, every layer is awesome and transformative. There's one image that should be the central focus in our frame. Not only is he Lord of all of our circumstances, wherever you find yourself, remember Paul saying, I'm in prison, by the way, <laughs> but also he's Lord over all creation with power over all things seen and unseen. He's even, he's even uh, over all other powers things we don't think about very often or don't know of as much. The Lord is the Lord of all of it. In other words, there's nothing you could put in your frame that is more beautiful or better than Jesus. The passage says he's the real and complete image of God. He's always existed. He's the creator and sustainer of everything. He's the head of the church. He's the resurrected one, the firstborn of the dead. He's the redeemer. He's the reconciler. He's the one who made peace with all things. Are you getting the picture? <laughs> in Paul's day, as in our day, the image of God is broken in our world, in our culture, in our context. And in many ways, we, like the Colossians, have turned away from God for answers to our deepest questions for, or for foundation to major issues like thing, things like our identity. Maybe at times for the Christian community in Snohomish, the picture is distorted. At times, I think we might look more like the prevailing wisdom and influences of our day than truly reflecting the image of God and the message of Jesus. What is in your frame today. I love that the word that Paul uses the word image here, uh, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. The word image here at the beginning of this hymn refers to the to likeness or manifestation. But Jesus isn't just a replica of God. That's what Paul's saying here. Uh, he's not a bad facsimile, <laughs> right? That he is God himself. And Paul's making the point Jesus isn't some proxy, but that Jesus is the real true image. And it's through Jesus that we find the restoration of, the, of our damaged image through faith. That's the power of Easter, right? Because of what Jesus did for us, that we can actually be reformed and reshaped again into the image of God and, and, and be God's true reflection in the world do you want that? I want that. <laughs> I want to authentically and truly be reflecting who Jesus is, who God is in the world around us. And the key to see that accomplished is making sure that we're focused on the right thing, the right picture, not just in a general way, but in a thousand specific ways. It's a call to deep discipleship. If Jesus is not all for us, then what or whom we worship, the pattern of our thinking and action is up for grabs. 
So I want to ask you the same question that Paul is asking the believers in Colossae. Is Jesus the central image in your frame? Are you just tipping your cap to him or are you willing to pursue Jesus in all his fullness, in all his teachings, and in all his ways? And this is where Colossians is so significant for us today. We need the message of a transcendent, all-powerful, completely redemptive Jesus. It's easy to watch the news, to see such violence and hate and death all around our world, to see confusion and multiple philosophies at work in the world around us. We need to be reminded of this message, the message of a transcendent, all-powerful, all-sufficient, supreme, and completely redemptive Jesus who calls us to himself and asks us to be like him and then gives us the ability to do that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We need to ground ourselves in the powerful and beautiful image of Jesus as we seek the way of God together over these next few weeks. And it starts today by thinking together and reflecting on this question. Is Jesus the central image in the context of my life? And are you following him, not in just a general way, but in a thousand specific ways as we look at all aspects of his life and teaching. We just sang a song. I mentioned to Michelle just before we started uh, the service today. We just sang a song, 10,000 Reasons to, to Praise the Lord, to sing praises to the Lord. I love the, the connection there between 10,000. That's a lot of specific ways to praise the Lord, right? I'm so thankful for that. So can we do this together over the next uh, several weeks as we look at Colossians? Following this incredible celebration that we had here at Easter, uh, can, we be, can we have this renewed sense of following hard after Jesus and patterning our life, everything in our life and our thinking around him? It's not always easy. We know it's not easy. <laughs> but it is, it is important and what we were made for. And we will experience this, the fullness of life that Jesus and God have designed for us. Can we recommit ourselves to prayer and worship and the study of the specifics of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, teachings, and so on? And can we, whatever we do and wherever we're at, keep Jesus as the visible image of the invisible God, supreme over all creation, first in everything, as our soul's focus and pursuit in this world? Will you do that with me? Worship team, would you come on back up? One of the things that uh, I just want to suggest that will help in this, uh, which is uh, I, I have loved, I've read this letter uh, multiple times this week. I want to suggest that you do that. You can read the whole letter uh, in, just a, in just a few minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. But more than reading the whole letter, I want to suggest that you look uh, real specifically at the passages that we've looked at today. Let's use this old poem and song in the same way that the early Christians would. That we're reading it over and over every day, maybe every morning. Read uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and let it be an anchor point, a grounding point in who Jesus is uh, for you. And uh, I think we'll find a lot of life in that. Let's use it to pray, to guide our, uh, uh, our worship for daily reflection and it, let it ground us in a way that nothing else can do, making Jesus supreme in our lives and in our thinking. Let's let him renew our vision 
and love for who he is and let him speak deeply to our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that we get this opportunity to gather together on a weekly basis and study the scripture. Thank you for the way, Jesus, uh, that Colossians starts us off. It's powerful. It's poignant. Paul doesn't mince words and he gets right to the heart of it. This is who Jesus is. So the question is, is he that for us? Jesus, please forgive us for all the ways that we uh, just tip our cap to you and don't actually follow what you've called us to. I pray that this next few weeks can be, Holy Spirit, that you will move in our heart and mind. Reveal to us where we're not following the ways of you. Convict us. But then in your grace and your mercy, we ask for forgiveness and we ask that you lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. Inspire us, awe us with who you are as we dive into this book and into the scripture day by day. We thank you for the times that we can gather and think together and pray together and worship. We love you, Jesus. And we give you all praise, the visible image of the invisible God supreme over all things and first in everything. We love you. And in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's sing this last song together.